Good morning, Skillman Church of Christ. What a Sunday it has been. Thank you for coming here today. I want to apologize again for the lack of our projector, but I guess we're taking uh, worshiping like a first century church literal today. Uh, we had a projector back then, uh, so thank you so much for your patience in that way. I do want to reiterate what's already been spoken and uh, thank the veterans of our country and honor them today uh, and this weekend for their service. I also want to welcome those that are here with our Friends Speak ministry. Uh, if you are here with Friends Speak, would you mind just raising your hand so we know that you're here and that we can spot you after services? Or if you're too bashful, don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I just want to say that. You know, uh, it's just it's amazing to see the different countries that are represented in this ministry. You know, and uh, if you are from a uh, Spanish-speaking country and you are here today, I want to tell you this. Bienvenidos. Bienvenidos y me encantaría conocerte después durante almuerzo. Y podemos practicar inglés allá. If you're from China, from Mandarin, from a place where you Mandarin, I want to say, Ni hao ma. That's all I know. <laughs> I think that means hello, right? Ni hao ma. We are so happy to have such a global culture and uh, people from all over the world here and now and and to be here at this church, uh, to get together worshiping uh, one Lord today. We have just began a new series on the book of Ruth. And this is an incredible uh, book. It's four chapters, but each week we'll be going through each chapter and talking about it. Jake did a fantastic job last week kicking us off. And so to begin, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles. Ruth, the first chapter, verse 1. We'll kind of do a recap of the first chapter and then hit in to the second chapter today. And uh, we have, if you do not have your Bible, uh, we do have Bibles in front of you in the pew. So those, uh, feel free to take those. And if you don't have one yourself, uh, that can be our gift to you. Feel free to take those Bibles home with you and uh, read it at your leisure. But uh, real quick, if you weren't here last week to get the introduction... And the book of Ruth. Ruth begins in verse 1 of chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrapatites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. And last week, you may have heard Jay talk about the significance of these names. Because they kind of have hidden meanings. In English, we read them as, as interesting, funny names. But in the Hebrew language, these names actually had meaning. For example, Elimelech means my God is he. Just to pause about this name, Elimelech. In my brain, when I think about this name, it sounds like it would go perfect with that song, uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Elimelech, Elimelech, Elimelech. Uh, yes. Praise team, maybe we can work on that. But uh, Elimelech means my God is king. Naomi, the significance in the Hebrew language is pleasant or sweet. Now their two sons have interesting names. Malon, in Hebrew, it means sick. And his brother, Kilion, means dying. 
So here we have Elimelech and Naomi having two sons, and they're named Sick and Dying. Interesting discussions, I imagine, and on the school field when they were young, I, 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 I find it hard to imagine they were picked first to play on their sports teams, being named Sick and Dying. But uh, while they're there in Moab, Mr. Sick and Mr. Dying, they meet two ladies from the country of Moab. One is named Orpah. Sounds a lot like Oprah, but it's Orpah. And the other is Ruth. Sick married Ruth and dying married Oprah. Orpah. (laughs) But as the story goes, Elimelech in this foreign land, away from home, dies. And then, not long after that, sick gets sick and he dies. And dying gets sick and dies. And so here we have Naomi with Orpah and Ruth alone in a foreign land. And in that land, that time, without women who had education, the only way women could earn a living was if they were under the lordship of a man. And so there they found themselves in a foreign land without any means, lost and alone. And so Naomi decides that she's going to return back to Bethlehem to be with her family. And she tells Orpah and Ruth, no, yo, you guys go back to your father. And these two daughter-in-laws say, no, no, we're going to follow you there. But then Naomi says, no, no, I insist. Please go. Go back. And Orpah, she decides to leave. And she goes to live with her father. And Orpah ends up starting a talk show. And even starts her own TV network. And there's an instance where Orpah gave a whole members of the crowds But Naomi, with Ruth, they traveled back to Bethlehem, alone, bitter, feeling that they were abandoned by God. And here we pick up the story in chapter 2 of verse 1. We'll read uh, chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, they're back in Bethlehem, they're there, they're trying to find means to live and to eat. And Ruth says to Naomi, Ruth the the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I found favor. You see, in the Jewish culture at this time in Deuteronomy, there is a law that helped those who were in unfortunate situations. That when they were harvesting the grain, the rule was that those that were harvesting would go through once and once alone. And if they missed certain plants, if there was grain that had yet to be harvested, there were people who were in an unfortunate situation that would follow them. And they would harvest themselves for their own need. It was a way built into the culture to give back to those who were in need. And so Ruth is going to, to find a plot of land. And Ruth is going to follow behind and she's going to pick the leftover grain that she can to feed her and Naomi. And the question is... Whose eyes I found favor. But here is the problem. The problem with that is that Ruth is a Moabite. Ruth is a Moabite. And if you look throughout the entire book of Ruth, isn't it interesting that when Ruth is being addressed, the author makes it a point to address her as Ruth the Moabite. It's not just Ruth. It's Ruth the Moabite. Five times in this scripture, Ruth is addressed as Ruth the Moabite. And you know, 
we today in 2018 in Dallas, Texas, when we hear the words Ruth the Moabite, it doesn't have an effect on us. But for the readers of that time, for those that were living in that era, when they heard Ruth the Moabite, they knew exactly what was being communicated. Because at that time, Jews and Moabites were enemies. No, not just casual enemies, but the Jews and the Moabites hated each other. They hated each other. They were the, the, the utmost enemies that you could ever imagine. Deuteronomy talks about how the nation of Moab came to be. Moab as, is as a result of an incestuous relationship with Lot and his daughters. And Lot and his daughter had a son named Moab, and it was from Moab that this nation was born. It took place that story in Genesis 19. And so Jews viewed the Moabites as unclean, as, as impure, as, as not good enough, so people who were dirty, who were stained. The, the, the other, but as far away as you can. In Numbers 22, it tells a story of when Moses has taken the slaves out of Egypt. And he's there taking the promised land. And he's there in front of the village of Moab, the, the town of Moab. And the Moabites get scared. And so in Numbers 22, it tells a story of how instead of helping the Israelites in this time of wilderness, what the Moabites did is they hired a witch doctor named Balaam to, to hurl curses upon the Jewish people. Well, that particular act was never, ever forgotten. And the Jews never, ever forgave the Moabites for such a thing. In fact, in Deuteronomy 22, it talks about how the Jews feel about the, the uh, Moabites. It says in De- Deuteronomy 22, you can turn there if you'd like to. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. Not even in the tenth generation. For, see, they have a grudge on this. So they're saying not even a Moabite will be allowed to enter the, king, enter the temple, nor be converted to Judaism to the tenth generation. Well, why? <laughs> well, for they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam, son of Beor and Pethor and Aram, Naharim to pronounce a curse on you. And here's the last part of that verse. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. Ruth was a Moabite. And Ruth was living in Bethlehem among the Jews. Moabites were not allowed to enter to the assembly of the Lord. They weren't even invited to come to church. They weren't allowed to. Moabites were not allowed to ever convert to Judaism. Jews were commanded that they could never, ever marry a Moabite. Specifically in Ezra chapter 9 verses 1 through 2. Specifically states, you cannot marry a Moabite woman. Moabites were the clear enemy during this time in history. And here we read a story in the midst of scripture. The heroine is this woman named Ruth, the Moabite, the outsider. 
And this Moabite goes into the field of a Jewish family hoping to find favor. But the chances are slim. So we continue in verse 3 of chapter 2. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Oh, Boaz. Boaz is the kind of guy that you love to hate. Because he is like better than good. I mean, he's rich. He's good looking. He's got the nice chariot. He probably dated the prom queen. I mean, Boaz is the guy that every person would hate. And he is there. He is the wealthy landowner. And he sees Ruth, the Moabite, in her field. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She's a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go glean in another field and and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Whoa, plot twist. This was not supposed to happen. Boaz is being kind to this Moabite woman. He's not only protect, not allowing her to use his land, but he's protecting her. He's giving her water and allowing her more access to her property. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? And what's the next two words in your Bible? A foreigner. Why have you found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? A foreigner. Here we see what was also talked about with Dr. Martin Luther King. The answer that Boaz gives is that I am judging you not based on the color of your skin or your descendancy. I'm not judging you based on where you're from, but I'm judging you on the content of your character. Because in verse 11, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and how and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz saw Ruth, the Moabite, as Ruth, the created being of God. Boaz saw her her as a human. 
And if I were to think of words that would describe how Boaz treated Ruth there in that field, the words that come to my mind are lavish, preposterous, abundant, radical. This is the type of kindness that Boaz showed Ruth in this story. You know, if we're completely honest, time and time again in human history, the human tendency for us is to find ways to exclude people that are different than we are. We as humans, we tend to make the circle smaller, more exclusive. We sometimes like to build walls, both figuratively and literally, to keep people out who are not like us. But time and time again, Scripture, inspired by the divine, pushes us in a different direction. It pushes us to expand the boundaries of how we define the word us. We see the circle getting larger. We see more seats at the table. We see scripture challenge this dualistic idea of good and bad person, good and bad person. And this idea of us, we see scripture pushing us away from labels and biases. And here in Ruth, we see an example of Boaz seeing Ruth as a human being, not as Ruth, the Moabite. Boaz didn't let the system dictate how he treated people. He was awake. He saw Ruth for who she was. Ruth, the Moabite. We see this in Jesus as well. Time and time again, when we look at Jesus and how he lived and how he he walked and how he taught, time and time again, we see Jesus not talking and and interacting with the religious establishment, but always being with those who are kicked to the curb on the circles, bringing them in, including those who are left out. So the question this morning that we are faced with, and if on your bulletin we have the notes section, so if you are a person that loves to take notes, I'd like you to take your pencil and write this question there. Or if you don't like to do that, just think about it. Who is my Ruth, the Moabite? In my life, who is my Ruth, the Moabite? Who has been placed in my field that is powerless? Who is an outsider? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's the 1.2 million people in Dallas that are immigrants. Maybe it's the single parents. Maybe it's those who have a lower socioeconomic status than you. Who is it in your office, in your neighborhood, who is on the outside looking in? Who doesn't have that power? Who may not feel at home? In your life, who is Ruth, the Moabite? And to be honest, and I have to confess, sometimes it's hard to see Ruth. Sometimes it's hard to notice her, the Moabite. Perhaps if you're rich, perhaps... If you're a man, 
Perhaps if you're Caucasian, perhaps if the system has worked for you your entire life, it's hard to see the Ruth in your life that's a Moabite, a Moabite, a person who is on the outskirts, who's been forgotten, who is powerless. But our prayer today, and it's a Skillman Church, our prayer is that we see those around us that are powerless. May we exhibit the same exuberant, lavish, preposterous, abundant, radical kindness that we see in Boaz and Ruth. May we not separate ourselves from them. May we see each other, all of us, as connected by the same spirit, by the same God. May we challenge labels and may we challenge biases. And some of you in this story may have come here today because you feel like Ruth the Moabite. You feel like there's an asterisk by your name, that you're not fully connected, that you're an outsider, that you haven't felt at home. The message is that God sees you. Take heart. Because God is at work in humanity. May all of our eyes be open that the same God that is working in us is at work in everyone else. Each week at Skillman, we offer an invitation. A time where we come and we declare that we can only say this because of Jesus. And because of our faith in Jesus. And because of our following Jesus that we can say this, that our worth is found in Him, and that we can actively seek those who are powerless in our community and be like Boaz and show that kindness. Each Sunday we offer an invitation for those who want to be baptized and become disciples of this amazing Lord. And if that is you today, I invite you to come forward. If you need prayers as well, there will be elders on the side of the room with their wives. I'll be up front and also the person beside you knows how to pray. Our prayer today is this. May we be awakened. May we learn from the example of Boaz and not not let labels and biases and assumptions and prejudice dictate how we treat people. But may we be kind and loving and Christ-like to all those that we see in our life who come to our field. Why don't you come all together we stand and sing. And we're one of the people that I've shown. Love that's connected.